Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by registered dietitian Brooke Zarnecki. Brooke's focus when it comes to her coaching is coaching for the purpose of performance, essentially making sure people are eating enough and eating enough of the right stuff. We had a great conversation today revolving around underfueling, how we know if we're underfueled as athletes, and how we can start changing that. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Brooke, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing so well. How are you doing, Brienne? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to talk to you. We were... We technically run in the same circle of people, but we were connected through someone else. Yes. Um, And I love what you're doing as far as nutrition wise with athletes and or with runners specifically. So I just really want to dive into all of that. Um, But first, well, about you, who are you? Yeah. So thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here and talking to your audience. So I am, my name is Brooke. I'm registered dietitian and nutrition coach, and I help runners make sure that they are fueling adequately um, and not getting stuck in that restriction mindset and the diet mindset. So really unleashing that fuel and feeling the power behind like good, adequate nutrition when it comes to running and endurance activities. I think it's such an important aspect to, to get into just because so many, a lot, not all runners, but a lot of runners get into running to lose weight, make a health change, that sort of thing. And so they automatically go into this mindset of like, okay, we're going to run and we're going to like restrict calories, which in the beginning might be okay. But then it kind of becomes this downward spiral of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just, it's just, it goes, I think it's just a subtle thing that goes unnoticed for so long too, before the stuff, the issues really pop up. Totally. Yeah. It's definitely a, it doesn't, it takes time. Like it takes months and months and months of being in like a restriction and being in a deficit to really like understand and feel the difference. Like at first you might feel like a million bucks. And then after a while you're, you know, you're in this state of you've been in deprivation or restriction for so long that your body's like, Oh, I give up. Like then you just start feeling the effects of undertraining and underfueling, and you burn out. It's a fast track to burnout. So Yeah. It's a lot of runners do get into running for the, you know, weight management piece. And after that, they kind of realize like, oh, well, maybe this is like, you know, an activity that I really love to do. I mean, it doesn't become about the weight so much anymore, but then we start to really get into the nitty gritty of like the importance of good nutrition also while you're running and doing endurance activities. So I think let's dive first into kind of the ramifications if we don't really feel appropriately, like what sort of things are we looking at as a runner that we could potentially end up with? And I know there's a lot of things, um, but just kind of as a general, or maybe like the top three or four, like, what are we looking at as potential potentially going on? Yeah. So first and foremost, I mean, frequent recurrent injuries are like number one on the under fueling topic of like, okay, what, what really comes up and the first, not the first thing, but a lot of times we see it come up as injuries. 
Um, you can also see it come up as poor recovery. So you just feel like you're not getting the rest that you need, or you, you, know, you may have taken a couple of days off, but you're still not feeling rested. Um, it also looks like getting poor sleep. So that kind of ties into the poor recovery, but if you're not sleeping well, um, that can be tied into under, under fueling as well and overtraining. Um, so I guess those would be the top three. And then, you know, from a, from a dietary piece and a nutrition piece, what I see a lot of is, um, athletes thinking that they're fueling properly, but they're still getting like crazy, crazy, um, cravings, um, specifically like later in the night. And they just feel like I just can't stop eating. So we kind of see this like binging behavior. Um, so those are like the big red flags that I see a lot in the, the people that I work with. Okay. And then just to, I mean, my audience is male and female, but obviously mm-hmm. most men have some sort of female in their life, whether it's a like wife, mother, daughter, or whatever. Um, from the female aspect of things, like what else can go on when we're under fueling? Oh yeah, totally. So, I mean, hormones are a huge piece of this for men and women. Um, and it's for women, it is kind of, it's easier to identify if we aren't under fueling because you're going to lose your period. Um, so that's, that's another big one is, is being undernourished and you're going for a long period of time without adequate fuel. Your body is going to start, uh, kind of not prioritizing your hormone regulation function as well. So you're going to lose your period. You're going to be, um, become amenorrheic. And this is, is very problematic for a number of reasons. Um, you're not, you're not, hormones aren't working properly, right? So you're not getting um, the hormone regulation that you need. You're not getting the fuel that you need. And this can actually like just waterfall and cascade into a whole bunch of different things like iron deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, thyroid um, irregularities. So like on the more sciencey side, lab-based side, those are all of those things that we can kind of see. And this is called REDS syndrome. So relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, there is an actual term for that. And that is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, and this is a side curiosity, because I know in the past probably two years, I've heard that term quite a bit, but I'm like, when I was in high school, like, even though people went through all those symptoms, like that was never a term that was thrown out. So do you know when that term kind of like started being used? Yeah. So it went from the female athlete triad to reds. I don't know exactly what year, but it it was recently. And that was because, um, we started seeing this energy deficiency in males also. And additionally, like the female athlete triad was just taking into account three different factors, which was your period, your, um, your weight, and then frequent injuries. But we now know that there's so much more than that. Like that you, you could be a completely normal weight and still be experiencing these like energy deficiency uh, symptoms. So a couple of reasons. First is that we wanted to make it more inclusive to include male and female athletes, um, because we do see this a lot more in males now too, as we do more research. And then secondly, just to include more of those, you know, more of the components of reds. There's like 10 different components of reds versus just the three that was in the female athlete triad. Okay. From a male perspective then, um, since the signs aren't going to be as relevant, since it's not the easy, like, oh, I don't have my period anymore. What sort of things can the male look for as far as like possibly being in a reds underfeeling situation? Yeah. So that's a great question. And it's very similar to if we would just take you know, the, the menstrual cycle out of it. So we'd be kind of more focusing on, um, the, the energy deficiency 
can pop up as like, I just, I'm not feeling, feeling right on my workouts. Like maybe you've been able to go hard for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden you feel like you hit just like this immediate wall of, geez, I feel like I can't even stand up. I feel like I can't even go out and run for 15 minutes. Like you may feel this like sudden onset of just lack of energy and lack of ability to carry out your sport. Um, again, we can see it with injuries, more frequent injuries, things coming up, um, you're not being able to sleep properly and, you know, just all around not feeling like you're getting enough rest. So you may feel like you're getting rest, like, oh, I'm sleeping nine hours a night, or I feel like I'm eating a lot, but I'm still just not feeling recovered. Those are kind of the ways that it pops up in, in both males and females, but more specifically, like taking the menstrual cycle out of it. That's what we would kind of look for. Does it, you know, people are, so many people are wearing wearables of some sort, checking their sleep, that sort of thing. Would it actually show up as like a change in quality of sleep um, because of all the hormone irregularity that's happening? I mean, it could, it's so hard with like the, the tracking mechanisms too, because we don't really know for sure, like how accurate they are. And I think the biggest thing is to track your baseline first, right? Like if you see a, a big change and a big shift from your baseline, um, where you started, maybe, um, that would be an indication like, Oh, Hey, maybe, maybe something's going on here. Um, so it's always, you know, sometimes we can't always rely on the numbers, but what we can do is we can kind of get a good baseline of whether it's sleep, your lab work, et cetera, et cetera. And if we notice any sort of significant change, um, that's when the red flag would be raised. So yeah, it's like hard to, kind of give a definitive answer there. But a lot of times it's like, if we can just see some sort of pattern and some sort of change in the pattern, that's where we can really kind of hone in. And that's why sometimes it's really nice to have a lot of data and a lot of data collection to just kind of be able to track it. Um, but that's not always the reality. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. That makes complete sense. Cool. <laughs> when we're talking about fueling appropriately, like obviously everyone's going to be different for how much food they need and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want to like, I don't want to dive into the whole like keto or IF or vegan or like plant-based and all that stuff. Um, just because that's very like personal to everyone. Um, but as a general, when we're talking about like, just like making sure we're fueling enough, like what do we need to be looking for as far as, um, I don't even know if that's the right question or right way to word that, but what do we need to be looking at when we're talking like fueling appropriately? Yeah. So like what it feels like to, to be fueled properly kind of thing. Uh, okay. So the biggest one for a lot of the athletes that I see is, excuse me. Um, if you are not getting enough energy, what, what tends to happen is that you either lose your hunger and fullness cues. So like you have trouble feeling your hunger, you have trouble feeling your fullness and, or it goes the opposite direction where you just have these like huge swings of feeling extremely hungry. Like you feel ravenous to feeling extremely full because when you got to that ravenous feeling, you kind of, you stuff, 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 stuff. Um, and then you're like, your body's like, oh my gosh, I'm like immediately so full. Um, so if you ever experience having like binge like symptoms where you go all day, you're like, Oh, I've been so good all day. You know, I've got, you know, my, my vegetables, my fruits, my lean meats, et cetera, et cetera. You get home and you're just like a bottomless pit or you feel like you lose all control when you get home. Well, that's a sign immediately that like, Hey, I probably am not getting enough food. And a lot of people just think that like 
there's something wrong with me because I can't control myself around food. Um, but a lot of times it's like, no, I've got an answer for you. It's not just you. It's not like we can solve this problem. A lot of people say like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm unfixable or I'm uncurable. Um, but I promise you, you are curable <laughs> and it's not just you that's like struggling with this problem. So it's, it's, if you experience those crazy, um, the, the cravings or the binges, or, you know, you, you either lost your hunger and fullness cue. So you have no sense of like, I don't know when I should eat when I shouldn't eat. Um, or you've got that like large swing where you go from like extremely hungry to extremely full. So that would be an indication to me as a dietitian that, Hey, maybe something else is going on here. Um, secondly, your digestive system. So I forgot to mention this when I talked about signs and other signs and symptoms of like things not going well. So if you feel like you've been struggling with like GI distress, you've got a lot of bloating, um, you've got constipation, you've got diarrhea, all of those things can be a sign that something is off with your nutrition and it's worth looking into. So a lot of times what happens in this world now, where we've got, like you said, all these different diets and all these different th like theories and ideologies of what we should be eating. Um, the immediate thing that we think of when we have like bloating or GI distress is like, oh, I'm probably sensitive to something or, you know, I'm, I've got to cut out a food group. And when you're under fueling, that's like probably the single worst thing that you could do, um, as you can imagine, because you're going to take away even more calories and even more energy from what you already were doing before. So um, GI distress is another big one that pops up. Uh, symptomatically wise, that can be a, a big trigger for me as a dietitian to kind of look into it a little bit more. So does that make sense? It does. And that's really interesting. I, cause yeah, whenever I think about or talk to someone who's like having those GI symptoms, it's like, I typically have always sent them to, it's like, Hey, this is my gut health specialist. Like go talk mm -hmm. to her. Um, never even thinking that it might be more of an underfueling issue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big one um, with the GI, the GI function, especially because your, your track just becomes dysfunctional um, if it's not getting the energy and the fuel that it needs. And I actually just learned today um, that a low fat diet can really wreak havoc on, on your gut. So having like the quote unquote anti-inflammatory fats, like avocados, uh, nuts, seeds, oils, that kind of thing can actually serve as like a gut protection barrier, which is, is really fascinating when you think about it, but there's so much that goes into the gut and gut health. So that's like a whole nother topic. <laughs> You're saying my addiction to avocado and nuts is an okay thing. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good gut barrier. <laughs> <laughs> Score. <laughs> when we, so if someone's under fueling and like they're kind of, as they're listening to this, they're like, Hey, that's me. I need to eat, start eating more. Obviously our body's going to go into shock of all of a sudden. We're just like, let's just eat tons of food. <laughs> so how do we start the process of like, I need to eat more. Like, what do I start taking in? How much more do I start taking in? Like, what does that look like? So we don't completely shock the body. Yeah. Great question. So I think a lot of times too, what happens is when somebody hears like, Hey, you're not, you're under fueling, like immediately you feel a little bit defensive, right? Cause you, you take your sport very seriously and you're like, well, I've, I've been doing all the right things. Um, so first and foremost, it's like, okay, eating more is not necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of times we associate eating more with like weight gain and just being a negative thing. Um, so to kind of help combat that and kind of ease the, um, 
the anxiety around eating more, we just start small. And I, I, I talk to this with my clients all the time is like, we're not going to go from like, you know, your current calorie intake to doubling that because that's what you really need in one day or one week. Um, it takes time to get there. So what we first look at is like, what are your regular dietary patterns? Sometimes. And a lot of times I find that a lot of people just aren't eating consistently, whether it's, they're not eating, you know, three consistent meals a day, they're, you know, skipping out on either breakfast or snacks because of either time or they just didn't want to prepare something. So we start small with like, okay, let's nail down your meal time first. Um, and, or we start to target the pre during and post-workout nutrition. So that's super easy ways to increase your energy intake without feeling like you're, you know, eating so much like, cause a, a snack before you run or a snack before you work out is going to help fuel your, your workout. So it's like, we kind of think about food as fuel in that sense. And not necessarily like a, we just need to eat more kind of thing. Um, so always start small. And I try to make sure that anything that we do implement and anything that you do implement, if you feel like you maybe need more is something that you can do consistently every single day. Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equip, E-Q-U-I-P, foods.com. And at checkout, if you use code F-I-X, 15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. And I think the pre and post workout is a great place to, to start with that too, just because that's an area that everyone can improve how they perform and how they feel by just doing that little bit. Um, what do you like? I have a friend who like, he prefers to run faster just because digestively, like he feels like his stomach, anytime he eats anything within two hours before he runs, like just gives him problems. How do you like, what do you suggest for people like that who really have that, like, haven't been able to figure out what's, or if anything really settles well with them to allow them to eat before they run? Yeah, that's a great question too. Cause I know a lot of, like, that's a big thing right now is like fasted running. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that males do much better with that than females just because of the hormone aspect. Um, but it does take a lot of experimentation. Like physiologically, our body runs off of carbohydrates and glucose and energy. So Um, I'm not a huge proponent of like the fasted running, but I do completely understand. Like if somebody just genuinely cannot tolerate something, it's really important that you have either, like if you're running in the morning, 
you've got like either a bedtime snack, something that you've, you know, you've got some energy in you from the night before or like a good dinner. Um, and, or you've had, if you're running later in the day, you've had like, you know, your regular meals up until that point. So, and the thing is too, like, it's all about timing and how long you're going out to. So it's like, you can get in the wood, the weeds pretty deep with this kind of stuff. Um, but typically if you're not eating like two hours before you work out, you're probably going to be fine if you've had, you know, a good meal or a bedtime snack the night before, and, or you've had, you know, your regular patterned meals throughout the day. So yeah, that's, that's a, a tough question. It's definitely really individualized. So if I can be as general as possible, that is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question. Even myself, like if I'm going to go for a three or four mile run in the morning, like I won't eat anything just because it's such a short distance. But like, if I'm going to go do like eight miles, then I'm definitely going to eat something. So. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, dependent situation. Absolutely. Oh, I want to dive into the fat conversation a little bit. Like I'm, I've definitely switched in the more, I don't know, past five, six years into more of a like high fat, low carb, definitely not keto by any means. Um, just because I've realized my body does a lot better with fats for fuel. Um, plus I've been reading a lot of stuff, just realizing like how important fats are in the system. Um, and there's still so many beliefs around like fats are bad, fats are going to make us fat. Um, I would just love for you to kind of break down some of the myths around like the healthy fats, obviously, and mm-hmm. why they are so important to the body. Yeah. So, I mean, we can just first talk about fat, like the function of fat in the body. So fat is not only a protective mechanism in our body, like your actual body fat, um, it helps regulate temperature. It helps regulate your thyroid. And fats also help regulate those hormones. So if we, again, don't have that hormone function, a whole bunch of different mechanisms in our body are going to be haywire and it can make it more difficult for us to listen to our body. So more specifically, like the temperature regulation and the thyroid function. So if you think about the function of the thyroid in the body, it's like that plays into a whole bunch of different body systems. So if it's not supported by dietary fat and the fat that we put in our body, it's going to be really hard for our body to properly function efficiently. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily covered like the the question that you, that you asked me. Um, but there is a big, you know, thing 10, 20 years ago, it's like low fat is the way to go. Um, because we're as a society, I think that we are afraid of extra fat on our body. Um, so we automatically assume that the fats that we eat are immediately going to contribute to excess body fat. Um, and that's completely a myth. So really when it comes down to it, weight gain versus weight loss, if you're eating in a surplus, no matter what it is, fats, carbs, protein, if you're eating in a surplus for an extended period of time, that's going to lead to fat gain on the body. Um, you know, it's not just the dietary fat that's going to contribute to that. So does that answer the question? It does. It does. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's important to note too, that like, some of the vitamins that our body needs to function are fat soluble. So if we don't have that fat too, like those nutrients can't even absorb. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why like when you are, when, when your body fat is so low, if you've been like a runner and endurance athlete for a while, and maybe you haven't been getting enough for a while, um, that's why those vitamin D deficiencies can come into play because you're just literally not getting enough a fat in your body system, but you don't have enough fat stores stored up 
um, to have adequate, you know, D stores. So vitamins A, D, E, and K are those fat soluble vitamins that are super important to our body functioning. So. Absolutely. When it comes to nutrients, are there any specific ones that, um, and I'm talking micronutrients, not the just mm-hmm. macro on the micro level, are there any specific like vitamins, minerals that runners or endurance athletes need more of than maybe the general population or things that we tend to be a little bit lower in because of our sport? Mm-hmm. So that's another question. That's like pretty nitty gritty. Um, but the one that pops up for most athletes is ferritin and like your iron stores. Um, and it's not necessarily that we need more as athletes. It's just that the chances of the depletion happening is a lot greater. Um, so I'm not saying go out and supplement with an iron supplement. I'm absolutely not saying that. Um, what I am saying is that we should have a good baseline blood level labs of like very important, um, micronutrients and a a sports dietitian or a sports doctor can help you with this, but just getting that baseline lab dress that you have like an understanding of where you're starting at. And then, you know, as you go on and you get, you know, yearly, annually, biannually labs that can help you. I like identify, Hey, these are some, you know, micronutrients that I might be deficient in or micronutrients that are depleted more in the athletes. So the big ones that I like to look at are the the vitamin D and the iron, uh, especially. So those are the two. Um, but like I said, don't go out and like supplement with those things just because I said that here, you guys really <laughs> got to get your labs drawn first. Cause if you have an extra of those, that's not good either. So, <laughs> so true. Especially iron. Like that's such a touchy one. Like it is kind of get away with, but iron is definitely not one you can. No, it's definitely not something to mess around with. That's for sure. <laughs> Being that anemia is fairly common issue in runners. What are, for someone who doesn't know, like what are the common signs of potentially being anemic? Mm -hmm. You're just going to feel like you got hit by a bus. Like every time you try to go to work out, or if you feel like you can't even walk up a flight of stairs, like your heart rate gets super elevated. Um, even just doing like light activities, you feel lightheaded, you get headaches. Um, another big one is that you crave ice. So like, you feel like you got a crunch on ice. That's another big um, warning sign that you should probably go get your ferritin checked. Um, ferritin is the iron stores. So it's not necessarily iron that we're checking, but we're checking ferritin. So just to clear that up, but, um, yeah, the crunching of the ice is a big one. Um, and just all around, just feeling fatigued, tired, like you you just can't catch your breath kind of thing. What's the ice relation? Like what's, I honestly have no idea. Um, I'm sure I learned it at some point, but I can't remember. Like sometimes you just get these things stuck in your head and you don't know why, but yeah, I don't know why it's the ice. <laughs> Cause it's not like that would add iron to you. So it's like very random. Yeah, it is. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. Cause I, I completely, like, I have no idea. That's funny. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> and it's funny because I had it. So when I ran in college, I had a couple um, teammates that like that's when we knew that they should go get their iron checks because they're like, I just can't stop getting enough ice. And it's like, Oh, well you should probably go get your iron <laughs> checked. And sure enough, they were, they were deficient. So I like, I never want ice like in anything. So if I ever want ice for any reason, I will know <laughs> I should probably check get my iron checks. <laughs> that's funny. Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, 
just thinking about the people you've worked with or just kind of the common trends that kind of pop up. Um, like what are like the, I don't even want to say mistakes, but like when people are like thinking they're eating really well, doing the right things, like what are kind of the biggest like errors you're seeing in those processes? I love that question. Yeah. Cause I hate to call them mistakes. Cause like we're, we're doing things that we believe are like beneficial to us. Right. Um, and I, I think that the biggest thing that I see is that we take the general nutrition advice from like the general population, whether it be like low carb or, you know, eat less, move more, that kind of advice. And we apply it to an athlete or someone that is competitive with what they do. Somebody that runs, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles a week. And we try to apply that to us. Um, and it backfires because ultimately we're likely not getting enough. So we, I first see that where you're like, I'm trying to apply a low carb or keto type lifestyle to my running. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, is that they're afraid to eat. So they're afraid to eat more with the fear of weight gain or the fear of getting too much. Um, and I generally find the opposite is true, right? Like most people generally aren't eating enough to support their activity. Um, so being afraid of eating more food. And then the third thing is this, um, I, I hate to say this, but like the clean eating mindset, um, of, I hear this all the time. It's like, well, I eat pretty clean and I just don't understand why I still don't feel good. Or I, I just don't feel like my workouts are as good as they used to be. And it's this kind of misconception that like only eating clean is immediately going to make you feel better. Um, when in reality, we still need like a lot of nutrients and a lot of energy. And sometimes that can not be the quote unquote clean eating that we think is right for us. Um, so just like the different labels and things like that, that, uh, we try to apply sometimes ends up backfiring on us. Yeah. And I think to kind of piggyback that last one, like a problem I see a lot and, and I know it because like. I have to eat a ton of freaking food with how many veggies I eat. Um, mm -hmm. Like vegetables don't have a ton of calories in them. Like, yes, they're loaded with nutrients, but they don't have a ton of calories. So it's like, you can think you're eating a ton of calories and you're really not. <laughs> yes. The fiber, the fiber piece. Yeah. It's like, that's where the clean eating <clears throat> kind of issue comes in is that we're loading up on fibrous foods. So we feel full and we're actually not getting a lot of calories. So the fiber is filling us up. Um, the calories aren't, and that's where it becomes problematic. So yeah, you'll have like a surplus of all your vitamins and minerals. Um, but it's not going to do any good if you're <laughs> in a state of like adequate, you know, you're not adequately fed. So yeah. that's definitely an important point to bring up for sure. Perhaps one of the other reasons I like my avocados and nuts because it gives me my calories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, anything else before we close it out, anything else that you feel super important to mention that we haven't brought up yet today. I don't think so. I really do think we covered all the big things. And I, I think the most important thing that I really want to drive home with everyone that's listening is just, if you feel like you are not getting enough fuel, or you feel like, you know, you're really struggling with binging or cravings, not recovering well, like it is not something that you're doing wrong. Like you, it's okay to, you know, reach out for help and ask for help. Um, and it will make you a better runner, a better athlete because of it, but it's not anything that you've done wrong. So just like kind of getting out of that, like blaming mindset. Like, I feel like a lot of us are really hard on ourselves and, um, you know, we think that we've done everything right, or we feel like we're doing everything right. 
Um, but sometimes we just, we just need somebody, a third eye or a second eye to look at it and, and get a different opinion. So definitely don't be afraid to, to reach out if you feel like you've got a couple of questions or you just need a little bit more guidance. Awesome. So on that note, if someone has more questions, where can they find you or contact you at? Yeah. So I always tell people to come to my, over to my Instagram um, at Intentful Nutrition. Uh, it is all about endurance athletes and, and kind of helping you figure out, are you feeling properly? What feeling feels like? And you can always DM me there and ask me questions there. So I love, love to have you over there. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's super helpful for everyone to hear. Thanks so much for having me. I love coming on and talking about underfueling. Love telling people to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation on highly functional. Before I go, I want to talk to you about my rope climb training program. In order to climb a rope efficiently and effectively, you need both strength and proper technique. If you have one without the other, it's going to be a lot more difficult to climb. You're going to use a lot more energy and you have more chance of failing. So if you want to be more efficient with your rope climbs in order to have more chance of success at your next race, pick up my rope climb training program. You can check it out at getyourfixpt.com courses along with all my other online programs. Thanks again for tuning in today, and now it's time to go out and be highly functional.